Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. There are some things we only get to tell you once a week or maybe once a month, once a year. Today, we tell you this thing. And we only get to say this once every four years. Welcome to Leap Day here at Fantasy Sports Daily. Yes, Ray, Leap Day. Um, a holiday that I don't, I don't believe Hallmark has uh, taken over yet. I, I Do you ever get any Leap Day uh, greeting cards? I don't think I ever have. Uh, it would be tough, obviously, right? Because it only comes along every four years. So you'd have to really sit on that stock for a long time. So... No, I don't. I, there must be something out there, Kyle, but I have not been exposed to it. You know, I, I should have looked this up. I wonder if we have any uh, leap day babies in Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah, we do. We got to have guys who who actually are one fourth the age that the uh, team management thinks he is. Right? At least I don't think. Right? I mean, there's got to be some out there. I don't know if they're current day players, but happy birthday to anybody who's celebrating their first birthday in four years which is kind of a rare thing and, and was always a fun thing. Here it is, born on this day, Ray. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing uh, the Bly Madras, who I think is still in the league, right? Um, I think he's... I'm seeing Al Rosen. Al Rosen, he's, okay. He's, he's gone, Pepper but Martin. obviously a great base. Yeah. Pepper Martin. Wow, Ray, the, 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 leap, the Leap Babies all came in like the 40s and earlier. We haven't had many of them in the last... I know, right? I'm looking at it now, they look like... Three guys born since 1980. Yeah, it's all the yeah. old stuff. Al Rosen, by the way, MVP, four-time All-Star. Uh, and then was a Giants front office guy for a long time. But yeah, that's that's a thin list. I typed it in originally for baseball reference, which I assume is what you're using, Kyle. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. defaulted to the 28th. I'm like, no, no, the uh, 29th. I had, had to get it there with you. Yeah. Well, uh, we hope everybody is uh, setting up for a great leap day. It's one of the few kind of fake holidays that doesn't have a lot of drinking surrounding it. Uh, but maybe you can create your own game, you know, and, and do something fun with it. Um, everybody else has a national day. Today's national leap day is what we're going to call it. Uh, other than that, everything's normal around these parts. we got a lot to get to on this uh, last day of February. Uh, March is just a day away. That's uh, officially draft season. Obviously, yesterday on the show, Ray and I talked about his uh, Tout Wars draft, the Solds draft. I am still in the midst of my uh, slow-moving Long draft, Ray. Uh, we are in round about 15 um, as we make our way to 50 rounds in the draft and hold. So we're doing pretty good. It doesn't bother me, Ray. I know this has always irritated the hell out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this started last 20, 20th, so like nine days ago. Right. And we're through 15 rounds with 15 teams. So we're doing okay. And people, I understand it. And if that's the only way you can play a league, okay. But my opinion has always been if you can't sit down for three hours to do a draft, you don't really want to be in the league. And secondly, the slow draft. I mean, you know how this goes, Kyle. Let's say hypothetically, I don't know, Chris Sale's arm blows up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Reynaldo Lopez, who hasn't been drafted, now gets drafted immediately because he's going to be locked into the Braves starting rotation. So it's you're, the delay allows the news that's happening to impact the drafting. And it's not. it's just randomly, is it your pick? Is it yeah. Joe's pick? Is it Jennifer's pick? I just don't like that aspect of things at all. To, to your point, Ray, uh, this morning I was uh, recapping kind of because I hadn't looked at it since like yesterday afternoon because the draft had like 10, 15 picks before my next selection. So I looked at it this morning and I saw that Matt Chapman finally got drafted in the 15th round and I thought for sure he signed. had signed overnight. Right. <laughs> but he has not. He, he has not signed. Somebody just took a shot on Matt Chapman there in the 15th round. But that's to your point, you know, and and guys like Snell have been drafted and now Chapman is off the board. Uh, But when injuries happen, that can certainly change. Or if you hear somebody like a rookie is going to make the opening day lineup, um, opening day roster, that can certainly alter things as well. Moving away from drafts, what do we have for you today? Uh, Well, we got a load. Um, Yamamoto, Yoshinobu Yamamoto had his uh, spring debut yesterday. Remember, it was Otani on Tuesday, Yamamoto on Wednesday. Otani was good on Tuesday. Yamamoto was good on Wednesday. So all is right in Dodger land. Uh, looking ahead to today, there's actually, uh, you know, if you're into spring training and you're kind of into matchups and storylines, there's a good one uh, coming up. I think it's in Sarasota later today between the Orioles and the Bucks, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we'll tell you about that. Uh, today is the day on this leap day that, I don't know, Ray, if you will reveal your breakout pitcher, but you will uh, get into some of the contestants and combatants 
uh, for your eagerly anticipated breakout pitcher for 2024. Now, for those who have access, is that column up as of today, Ray? It is, Kyle. It's up right now. It's got a picture of the San Diego chicken. For those of you that remember who he is, that has somehow become the default picture for this article. I'm not really sure why. I guess it's because <laughs> we're trying to hide who it is. And yeah. <laughs> so, um, I would I would hope that people wouldn't share it, right? Because you know we want you to be a subscriber to fantasyguru.com. Of all the things, I tell everyone to share everything, right? Tell everyone. <laughs> this is one thing. Don't share this unless you're a member. So we're not going to say the name, but we will talk about the process. But the article is up and available right now over fantasyguru.com. Confidence measurement, Ray. One to 10. How confident are you in the breakout of the guy you eventually chose? Last year, I was at about a nine and a half. And it worked. Who was that? Justin Steele. That worked who, really well. Yeah, who went from 380p at the time the article was written to top five in the NL, AL, NL Cy Young vote. I was about a nine and a half with Steele last year. This year, six and a half. Oh, this year, candidates we, weren't as strong, huh? <laughs> they, and, and the real problem this year, and we'll get into it, the real problem this year is that all the options that I identified this year were higher they have higher ADP or lower ADP than in years past. Like a lot of times I end up in the 275, 300 zone, when I'm 250 zone. This year, a lot of guys are right around 190 to 200. Mm. So it became a little bit more difficult to feel uber confident because I just didn't feel like A, people were getting as much of a bargain this year. And B, because there were so many guys that are kind of in a group of like 60 ADP spots, it was, it was just, it was tough. It was the guy I chose. I have again, I'd probably say six and a half, and it's it's not, I don't feel as good about it. I hemmed and hawed about it for the last four days, to be honest. I had four guys, hemmed and hawed about it, chose the guy, six and a half. Okay, we'll give you a sneak peek of what Ray was hemming and hawing about coming up in a bit. Team preview will uh say in Southern California yesterday it was the Angels. Today, it will be the Dodgers. We will continue our discussion of all things outfielders. We will spotlight a few of Ray's favorite fifth outfielders. For those of you who are in legitimate fantasy leagues and you uh, draft five outfielders, you start five outfielders, uh, we'll give you some of Ray's favorite guys in that part of the draft. Uh, And then we got news and notes. Unfortunately, injuries for guys like Josh Lowe, Matt Brash, Justin Verlander is still an issue, Julio Rodriguez. Kind of popping up as an issue, so we will give you the rundown there. We mentioned the breakout pitcher article is up. You can only read it and uh, file through all the names and all the arguments, pro and con, if you sign up for the draft guide. So, Ray, tell us how they can sign up for the draft guide and get their hands and their eyes on that eagerly anticipated breakout pitcher column right now. Right now, it's really easy. You can click on the link if you're on YouTube. Uh, If you're watching the show, there it is on the screen. Uh, You can go to the website and click on the Join Now tab in the top right-hand corner of the site. Just boom, it's right up there in blue. Uh, And you type in the promo code FSD20, FSD20. That gets you a 20% discount on the early bird pricing, which will be going away in mere days. So the price is going up from everything I'm being told next week, but you can get it right now. If you put the promo code in FSD20, you get the baseball product for $40 and it's all year long. It's, Ooh. it's, you know, and whether, whether or not my advice is excellent or just solid, it's 40 bucks. I mean, it's like, it's all the, it's the whole, all the way to October and the rankings are updated the first of every month, May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, August 1st, September 1st. I redo all the rankings. I'm an idiot. I redo all the rankings for 600 players every month. So you know exactly where your players are at. You get all the articles, discord, all that kind of stuff. FSD 20, join now through the entire regular season for Major League Baseball. Okay, there it is. Uh, Do not wait. As Ray noted, time is running out to get this bargain. 40 bucks is crazy for the whole year. If you're into baseball, I mean, you don't even have to, like, truly love fantasy baseball. It's just good baseball talk is what it is. Um, So Ray's got you covered all year on that if you just want to read up on Things that uh, you're interested in. Ray finds the uh, deep grabs. Ray gets you up today. I love uh, every day throughout the season. Ray kind of has a, a daily Ray's ramblings. And there's really nothing you miss if you just fire up the ramblings piece every single day. Uh, you will know everything that matters. Injuries, guys who are on hot streaks, cold streaks, and all that good stuff. Uh, so do check it out as we get closer and closer to the start of 2024. Okay, let's dig into all this news and 
all of these first viewings that we have here today. Um, Ray, we're, we're at the point in spring where, um, you know, you may have taken their first few days off with games play, but this week you need to start being out there. And, and people are making their debuts. We talked about Byron Buxton being in the outfield. Shohei Atani was in the lineup for the first time. And uh, also with the Dodgers yesterday, we got to see uh, Yamamoto, the uh, highest paid pitcher in the history of baseball. <laughs> You know, it's, it's kind of crazy to say we've never seen him pitch at least 24 hours ago, yet he's the highest paid guy in the history of the game as a pitcher. And Ray, I guess after what we saw on a Wednesday, it looked pretty good. Uh, two shutout innings, three strikeouts. He threw, I think it was 19 pitches and 16 of them were strikes. Uh, you pretty well call that a perfect debut, right? Yeah, he did a great job and it's not surprising. I mean, you know, we'll always run this battle of, What's a guy throwing? Is he using all his pitches or not? What's he working on? How is it for these batters who have never seen him before? Too how long is that? How long is that adaptation going to take? Right? Because you can talk about he throws this, he throws a splitter, he throws a fast. You know, seeing it is different too. So there, there's always if the guy's got good stuff and good location, there's always a bit of an advantage for the pitcher with the unknown factor. Uh, and you know, as you noted, he didn't even throw 20 pitches, so they didn't push him or anything like that. But good to see him get out there. Look sharp. Uh, I don't think I don't think there was a gun on the the outing, so we don't exactly know how hard he was throwing. Um, but I think all the signs, all the check boxes were checked. If you will, he looked good to start. Yeah, I think I saw a uh, X posting with the splitter and kind of making some guys look, you know, kind of some weak swings, if you will. You know, it's nineteen pitches. Yeah, we we got to multiply that by six to really get get a true read. I think. Um, and even then, we're not going to get a true read. Thing, things are just different when, when the uh, regular season begins. And, of course, he'll be starting in South Korea. That'll be different. You know, he'll be making that start early in the season against San Diego across the ocean. I, I will say, Ray, as somebody who, not in every draft, but in a lot of drafts, I'm not one of the first, you know, five or six people to take a starting pitcher. Usually I can slide to the back, and I'm okay with that. I, I I'm fine with the idea of maybe – selecting him as an sp1 i don't love it and i wouldn't make him like one of the first six or seven picks but if i'm sitting in that 11 12 range of pitchers off the board and yamamoto's there i i can make that move ray i will posit this because of the uncertainty you know he's a rookie he's just never pitched here we, we just don't know because of that uncertainty ray i would say if you draft yamamoto as your sp1 probably a round or two later you need to get your sp2 you know, I, I still think you need to get a, a high-end SP2 to kind of support the risky selection of Yamamoto. Yeah, I was in the Labor Mixed League draft, uh, I don't know, 10 days ago, whatever it was. The article's over at fantasyguru.com. It's free for everyone to read. You can just type in Labor Mixed League Fantasy Guru, and it'll pop up in your search engine probably. Uh, I took Yamamoto as my first SP. And the reason I did that is because I was a 15-team Mixed League, and the league was very aggressive as pitch, in pitching, as it often is. So Yamamoto was a fourth-rounder. And to your point, Kyle, I then in the sixth round took Yuri Perez. Okay. And then in the, you know, then I grabbed Jose Barrios. So I felt like I got Yamamoto, who I think is right on the border of making an SP1 in the league that size. Perez, who's got some workload concerns, but looked great last year. And then Barrios, who has no workload concerns, going to throw 180 mm -hmm. innings and be effective. So I thought it was a good combination of players. But to your point, uh, again, Yamamoto was the fourth. Perez of the six. I didn't wait too long to get that next guy. Um, and he will be a guy. If he has a good spring, it, he'll be landing as an SP1 everywhere. <laughs> you know, the Dodgers, the hype, a good spring. It, it'll lift him up um, into sp one them. But uh, again, if you're drafting right now, the hype hasn't necessarily taken off. Uh, so maybe you can get him as that SP1 a little later than you might say two weeks from now. Uh, moving from that hype right to some hype of today, coming up at uh, 105 Eastern is... Uh, the spot to be, I guess, is Ed Smith Stadium. Why? <laughs> well, what it's called. I didn't even yeah, know looked, that's what it was called. I looked it up, right? I don't okay. know. I is Ed Smith a former G? I don't even know. I we'll have yeah. to look up Ed Smith. But uh, the Orioles and the Pirates are uh, facing off, which you know, right? It's just a ho hum spring training game. It's not like there's bad blood or a rivalry. But what's cool about this is four of the last five number one overall selections are going to be playing in this game. Now, we're, we're still a few hours out, but we've gotten the early lineups and such. So we have Paul Skeens, who was last year's number one overall pick. He's pitching for the Pirates. Jackson Holiday, who was the 2022 number one overall pick. He's set to be in the lineup for the Orioles. 
Um, now the 2021 number one overall pick is Henry Davis. He's going to be catching for the Pirates. The 2020 number one overall pick, Spencer Torkelson, is not available for this game. But he's just down the road. He's not too far away. They could bring him up from Detroit. And then, Ray, we have the 2019 number one overall pick, Adley Rauschman. So four of the last five number ones are all squaring off today. So that's kind of a cool thing in spring training. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, get there on time because Skeens isn't going to be going six innings today or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, that's that's really cool. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it's not like the opening day of the major league baseball season or something like that. that would be even more of a wow factor, but yeah, the, all those players, obviously foundational building blocks for the organizations. I think Henry Davis is the one that, you know, people are kind of uncertain about, you know, because of his defense in particular, uh, he's not going to start the season as catcher eligible. So you're going to have to wait on him to gain that catchability. So check out whatever your league rules there. Cause he's really difficult to have any excitement about as an outfielder. He's a tough guy to rank over at fantasyguru.com because it's, it's like, you know, it looks like he's going to be the catcher with with Andy, uh, what's his face? I can't remember his last name, Hurt, um, the other young catcher. But he doesn't have that eligibility. So I've, we've got him like yeah. at, I don't know, 80 in the outfield, which is wrong, really. Yeah, I don't I mean, and you're right, right? You got drafted in his outfielder. Yeah. Once you get the eligibility, though, would you be comfortable saying Henry Davis is a top 15 catcher? Or is that still iffy, you think? You know, I, I'd say top 20. And then okay. we'll see. I I I think it, you know last year was tough on him, but again, it was his first experience and all that. But you know when you're we're down in the Danny Jansen zone for me, like I I've got a pretty good level of confidence in a guy like Danny Jansen or even Ryan Jeffers. So I'd say top twenty for Davis there. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at Danny Jansen like literally twenty minutes before you just said his name there. Yeah. Um, the the catcher spot's kind of getting away from me, and that's yeah. third draft. Right, <laughs> I'm looking at Danny Jansen, so <laughs> I might even go with a Toronto combo. It's it's not the worst thing. I mean, you know, not the worst thing. They both can hit pretty well. Uh, but today that game's at 105, and again, get there early or uh, tune in early. I I assume MLB Network or television will have this game, so you're gonna want to catch that. Uh, Skeens, we should know, probably will not be with the Pirates on opening day, but uh, Ray, he'll, I I would think. You know, this guy's a high-end prospect, number one overall pick, all that. Coming out of college, he'll probably get a, a look-see, I think, later this summer. Don't you think that's in the cards for him? Andy Rodriguez is the other catcher, by the way, um, that's out with injury this season. Uh, I think Skeens was like my 27th round pick in the Tout Wars draft that we had earlier this week um, because, again, that's a deep league. There's unlimited aisle spots there. Uh, when, when a player like that gets called up, people spend, you know, 40% of their budget. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I, I think he'll he'll definitely pitch in the big leagues this year. No question about it. Is it eight starts? Is it 15? I don't know. I'm leaning more toward the 15. You know, oh, 15 really? I'm kind of leaning towards the eight. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see. We'll see. I, it, I think it all depends on just how the season develops, how he looks and feels, what their goals are. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I don't think many scouts believe he's not ready right now. If they really wanted to push it, it's just that he has such little professional experience, they'll probably yeah. take some time. Yeah, so we shall see there. But uh, fun times in spring training, if you will. Uh, moving from talking about Paul Skeens, who is uh, one of the more highly touted pitching rookies that we have in baseball, uh, let us move to one of the more highly and anticipated columns that comes out every year, Ray Flowers, with his uh, very famous pitcher breakout. Um, and, and everybody puts these columns together, but Ray in particular, um, starts with a few names, or actually a, a handful of names, cuts it down to a few names, and then finishes with one name. And he kind of just uh, you know tacks his name up to that player's name. And, and he's had success. Uh, you mentioned Justin Steele last season. Uh, famously, Corey Kluber. Mm -hmm. uh, gosh, decade ago? Is 2014 was when it started, yeah. yeah so the 10th anniversary of that notorious, uh, notoriously great Corey Kluber call. Now, they're not all hits, okay? We're not sitting here and saying that Ray is uh, perfect, but he's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, let's start with Steele, Ray. Uh, wh why did he Why did he catch your eye going into last season when you look at Justin Steele? Yeah, I think that there was a variety of factors. One, I just felt that, you know, we talk a lot about two-pitch guys, which is kind of odd for me, right? Because I went with basically a two-pitch guy last year. Why? The pitch movement on his fastball in particular is just different. And guys don't pick the ball up the same way. It, his The pitch acts differently than most fastballs, so it throws guys off. 
And I looked at his overall profile and I saw, look, this guy can give me a strikeout an inning, which he did. I think we can get 150 plus innings. He went past that. I think that he controls the strike zone well. We got that. And so it was kind of a it was kind of that more of the fact that all the pieces were kind of there and the cheapness of the cost. His ADP was 295 or what was it? 295.4 when I wrote the article. So it was, he was just an undervalued asset. No one was talking about him. And and that's rare. And, you know, in this year's article, I think we, we got more into this and I even mentioned it in the piece that, you know, back in 2014 when I did this, and I remember I, I drafted Corey Kluber in the ninth round, ninth round that year in the FSGA and crickets in the room. Like, Corey, you just took Corey. No one was – it was a different world back then. Now everyone spends months in the offseason doing this. There's very few people anymore that don't work year-round in this space, right? There's great analysis all over the place. So it gets harder and harder to find guys that can take a step that everyone else isn't already talking about. Mm-hmm. Steele was obviously somebody who blew up, did well. Um now we get to this year, Ray. It's time to do it again. It's just like putting out a newspaper. Nobody yeah. cares about your success yesterday. It's time to do it again. Criteria. Let's start there. What, what What's the uh, layout? You mentioned kind of what caught your eye with Steele. But to start, you kind of begin with some standards right. that open up a variety of names. And then you kind of get your list together. So kind of start with those standards or, or what you're searching for in the earliest days of finding this pitcher. Yeah, I found a lot of pitchers in the ADP zone of 185 to 225 end up kind of being the happy zone if we're looking for that. You know, you can go look at your ADP. You get a rough guesstimate of some guys that are likely to be on the list. And what I wanted to do is I know there are other people that predict breakouts here, breakout there. If you're predicting player 60 to become player 20, that's not a breakout. It's a fifth round pick that's becoming a second round guy. That's great. That's not a breakout. So I wanted to set a standard. And so the, the number I chose was 175. Okay. You know, that that then we're, you know, if you're in a if you're in a 10 team league, we're talking 17, 18th round, which I know a lot of people play 10 team leagues. If we're in a 12 team league, obviously we're only you know 15th round or whatever that is. That's so we're at a zone where we're starting to get into the teen rounds. So this is an area where people start looking for like you're talking about. Now I'm starting to look at the catcher spot, or now I'm starting to realize I don't have speed or now I'm realizing I don't have any relief pitching. Like you start in that zone where you're starting to hunt. So I think that's a good place to set the bar so that you don't end up with someone that really everyone's kind of talking about anyway. So that's kind of the major criteria is that you want a guy that's 175 or higher in ADP. And like I said, that there have been Cy Young winners on this list. Corey Kluber, top five for Steel last year. That's not the goal. The goal really is to take a guy at, that's got an ADP at 250 get a performance level of him at, of 100, and it's a huge win. Last year, mm-hmm. Justin Steele was like SP 9 or 10, right? That's league-winning stuff versus the, oh, he, he went from fifth round to second round. And so when you started there, mm-hmm. we see in blue type at the bottom, uh, 21 pitchers, Ray, is is where you started this uh, this culling of the field, I yes. guess. Is that a big number compared to relative uh, relatively to other years? Yes, it was a dangerous number. And in fact, it could have been 24, but there were three guys who just missed the ADP. So they were automatically cut out. Normally, it's been about five to 10 guys, which again, goes back to my comment earlier today when you asked me what's my level of confidence. And I said like six and a half. This year was tough. There were, even when I get down to the final four in the article, any of the four guys, you know, confidence range in all of them, five to seven, five to six and a half, you know, they're all kind of very close. Uh, and there were some obvious ones out of the group of 21 that pretty quickly, they qualified, but pretty quickly it's like, okay. But really we still ended up with a group of like a dozen guys that really needed some serious digging into. So it was a larger field than normal. I, I'm guessing the man who was probably the furthest down the ADP chart, you know, whether it was in the 300s or the four, you know, maybe the one of those guys that, do you recall, and again, I don't think this guy is the name. If it is the guy, don't tell me, Ray. I don't it's think not, it is. Not. But but who was the lowest ADP of those 21 guys? Like the biggest long shot to maybe be this guy, if you will. And we saw this guy, and th- this is a guy, again, that fits the loose parameters, but then when you start digging immediately was was removed, right? Especially since he tweaked a hamstring in camp. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann okay. at 452 was that guy. Uh, Chase Silseth with the Angels was 380. 
Uh, and then uh, Louis Varland with the Twins was 333. Varland, I don't even know if he's going to start or not, which has been an issue a lot of times, and it's been an issue in the past. Uh, a lot of times you identify the pieces are all here. This is a guy that could break out this season. But is he going to make six starts and 35 relief appearances, or are they going to give him 25 starts? So a guy like Varland, just with the uncertainty, with the addition of Descalfani, the return of Chris Paddock, it just didn't fe- seem like he was going to hit the rotations, potentially. Uh, Silseth, for a variety of reasons in the article. And then Tiedman, you know, young guy that had injuries last year. Ultimately, you know, he was under 70 innings, I think, last year anyway. So a best-case scenario is probably 115-20 this year for him. Best case, and he's not going to likely make the rotation out of the camp. So the number in the big league is going to be 90 or 80. So he was pretty quickly removed. So those uh, three names made the list of 21, but as Ray noted, they were quick to be cut. Um, where can you find the list of 21 to maybe 10 to maybe four to the final one? Well, again, the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide, it is there right now. You can hunt it down. So do check it out. Um, maybe in a couple of weeks, Ray and I will visit and dig deeper on that player that ended up as number one. But for now, if you want the information, you got to be a member. That's how they do it, right? You piss people off. You got to be a member. Sorry, well, people. I, I get that. People might be upset. But really, we don't do this. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the only thing we do this with. Yeah. Like, you know, it's the only thing we do it with. And, you know, again, we talked about it. Promo code FSD20. $40 right now for the rest of the season. It's worth it. It's what, I mean, what, where we're in February. So seven months, if you get it right now, six bucks a month, less than that. Like, come on, it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. So do check that out. That is the uh, column preview today for the draft guide. We do one each and every day here on FSD. Another thing we do each and every day, team previews. Uh, today, you see behind Ray Flowers, beautiful shining noggin is the LA Dodgers. Probably another Cy Young Award for Clayton Kershaw. I don't know. Or maybe it's a gold glove or silver slug. Right yeah, he, he, he wins a lot of awards. Um, and, Ray, this leads us into talking about your favorite team in That's California. Fernando Valenzuela, by the way. Given oh, is it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Fernando. totally. Fernando Love Mania. Fernando. Old screwball. No, does anybody throw the screwball? They probably call it something else. Now, Coach is right? told you can't. I think it's like outlawed at this point because of your, what it does to your arm. But yeah. Well, Fernando's kind of proof of that, right? <laughs> I guess he had six great years, you know, oh. five or six really good years. <laughs> and then his arm blew up and he wasn't in the greatest shape either. But I mean, Ray, that pitch turned. I mean, hell, we're talking about him 45 years later. He obviously did something right. And by the way, like before there was like he was – Social media before there was social media. Yeah. Baseball exploded with Fernando Mania. Like nothing, I don't, I, it was, you know, I was young. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. People buying t shirts and hats. He's on every news report. Like it was crazy. Like we get it all the time nowadays because of social media. But like back in the day, he was like, in my memory, Kyle, the yeah. first holy crap, we got to watch this kid pitch kind of thing that just took the nation by storm. Yeah, absolutely. Fun times. The uh, Dodgers are in the midst of what we think are going to be fun times. And, Last couple of days, we've talked about Otani, Yamamoto. I mean, this is a team that is stacked. Um, this is a team that has names everywhere. Now, not all the names are perfect, but there are names everywhere. Ray, let's get into one of these names. We start with our player profile. We are spotlighting, you are spotlighting Tyler Glasnow, um, a player that I think you and I see eye to eye on, but the public sees it very differently as they look at Glasnow for this season. Yeah, and you know this is not one one side's going to be right, one side's going to be wrong. I don't think anyone's going to be in the middle, right? Because my opinion is, I think the same as yours, and I'll, you can follow me up here, Kyle. As it says there, dominant stuff. When Glasnow is on the hill, he's going to dominate people. He's going to produce tons of strikeouts. His ratios are going to be good. He's a threat every time he pitches to strike ten guys out. He's a threat every time he pitches to go seven innings, give up one hit every time. He is one of a handful of pitchers that you could say are the most dominant in baseball. The other side of things, as it says there, he's never thrown 125 innings in a big league season. And when you talk about taking a player at pick 215, Raid's breakout pitcher of the year, it's pick 215. If it doesn't work, okay, you know, you're okay, you're all right. Glasgow's ADP is like 45. Like you, you can't afford a miss at 45. And I know that pitchers don't throw the innings they used to. We've talked about it all the time. But this guy started his career in 2016. He's 
30 years old, yeah. and he's never thrown 125 big league innings. I just don't understand how people are so willing to buy the talent when they have been disappointed year after year after year with him, Kyle. Yeah, and it's not nettlesome or needlesome things that, that kind of cause him to miss a few starts or, oh, he has a bum toe and so he missed five starts. Like, he's had some significant injuries um, over the years. He also was with Tampa Ray, which has always been a team that has coddled and massaged their pitching staff through a season. If he had gone, you know, let's say he had gone to Philadelphia um, or he had gone to Houston, Minnesota, like those are franchises, Ray, that would looked at Tyler Glasdown and said, if he's healthy, we're pitching him. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's healthy. He's going out there every five days. And as long as he's healthy, we're wanting 180. Right. The Dodgers, Ray. Are, are much more Rays-like than they are Astros-like and how they're going to use these guys. What I'm getting at is, let's say he is good enough to stay healthy, Ray. Mm-hmm. They will likely still skip starts. They will likely still not let him go much over 100 pitches. You know, he, he will be pulled after five innings. He may be damn dominant. Mm-hmm. It may be one run, three hits, and seven strikeouts, right. but it's five innings. Now, a lot of people, Ray, will say, I don't care. If I get five really good innings, that's better than trying to find two pitchers to create eight decent innings. So it's a lot of this two for one. You know, if even if I'm only getting five innings, I'm not losing what I used to lose days ago or years ago, I should say, when guys only went five innings. If we push the the argument aside and we just say he's going to get 125. Again, this is a very low standard, Ray, but for him, it would be a new high. Right. He gets 125, 130. He pitches a career high innings. Ray, if he does that, can he return that ADP value? I I don't know if he can at 125 innings. Can he? It, it, like you would have to be, you know, you'd have to win 12 games. You'd have to have a 2-2 ERA, a whip of like 105 and striking out 10 per nine. In 125 innings. Now that's doable for this dude, mm-hmm. but I mean, you are asking him to be a superstar every time he's on the hill, not just good, but a superstar every time he's on the hill if you're drafting him 45th overall. Yeah, because if you take him 45th overall and he does what he did last year, which was throw a career high 120 innings, right? Strike out 162 guys in 120 innings, you're not getting top 50 value out of that. It's not unless he unless he somehow remarkably goes 13 and zero in the you know, it's yeah. like it's not happening. And I, I just so to answer your question, I'm gonna say no. I don't think yeah. I think the odds of him paying off are extremely low. And that again is different in the 15th round. We're talking the fourth round here. Like it's such a high price to pay. And I, you know, I we you mentioned the Dodgers. I, I don't like the Dodgers, never like the Dodgers. I'm a Giants guy. Look at the comparison just quickly with Logan Webb. Logan Webb's ERA the last three years is 307, almost exactly the same. It's Glasnow. His whip the last three years is 1-1-2, Tenth higher than Glasnow, but close. 214 innings is what Glasnow has thrown. Webb has thrown 562. Okay. So Webb's and Glasnow's ratios are eerily similar, but we're talking about him throwing 40% as many innings. I, I just, so I just don't, I get it. But you know, this is the Byron Buxton, Giancarlo Stanton, it's Mike it's Trout, Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom. It's, it's, yeah, it's, DeGrom. That's it's what the it same is, right? thing. Yeah. It doesn't work. And I just, I don't understand. I mean, if you look at the projection models at Fangraphs, the bat has them at 125. Zips has them at 139. Like the projection models are even telling you he's not throwing 180 innings, yet people are drafting him as if he is. And will the Dodgers, again, if everything goes right, is he getting 150 plus innings? I don't, I don't think, think he can. So. I, I agree with you. I don't think they'd yeah. let him. Even if he had 28 starts, I don't think he's getting 150 innings. Yeah. That's like five. That's 16 outs a game. And again, it, it is it. Ray's got it here. Dominant stuff. This is not a skill discussion. He would maybe be one of the top three or four skilled pitchers in baseball if we just. Yeah. And and so there's a little bit of a discount for the injury. It's not enough of a discount. Um, you know, all these guys can get injured. This guy has continually been injured. And, and he's now on a team that the plan is honestly to, to roll through eight, nine pitchers this year. And probably when it's all said and done, the Dodgers will roll through a dozen. You know, they really will. And they have faith in their process. 
They believe, A, we can develop guys. B, we can outsmart other people on pitchers. We can find pitchers. We'll do it. And, and I mean, I'm looking at one of their prospects, Ray, as we talk about this team. Uh, the prospect I wrote down is River Ryan. River Ryan was given away by the Padres to the Dodgers. River Ryan wasn't even a pitcher. <laughs> River Ryan, Ray, like a year and a half after that trade, has not only become a pitcher, but is like one of the top 15 pitching prospects in baseball. And it's all because the Dodgers said, we can figure this out. And it's hard to dispute them. Right? We can say, hey, not everybody's been great, but it's really hard to dispute whatever they have found, Ray, with pitching and how to develop it. And part of it is protecting the hell out of these guys. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw, okay, when he was at his best, he would get his 200 innings. But overall, you keep looking at this staff, Ray, and it's not built for many guys, if any, going over 150 innings. No, it's not. And and think of this. These are guys that are injured right now for the Dodgers. These four guys would be in the starting rotations, if healthy, of 28 of the 29 teams. Like all of them. Walker Bueller, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, and Clayton Kershaw. Those are guys that are hurt right now. And all those guys are all-star talents, unquestionably, Right. And those are the guys that are in reserve behind Sheehan and Paxton and Miller and Glasnow mm -hmm. and Yamamoto. There's your nine guys, boom. And they're all making starts. You're totally right. And then there's other guys we're not talking about. They're going to make call-ups and stuff. And they have done this consistently. So, yeah, there's just a variety of factors that logically say that when you when you draft a player at full value, which is what people are doing with Glasnow, it's not smart to do. And then when you start looking at the Dodgers scenario – how their team is built, how they've handled pitching the last handful of years as well. Mm -hmm. It just tells you that drafting Glasnow where he's going now just isn't the right move to make, in my opinion. Yeah, pretty uh, high price to pay for, for a Cy Young candidate if he's uh, up there around 28 to 30 starts. Uh, never really been there in his major league career. So tread lightly. Let's go to four other questions with this uh, Dodgers team, Ray. Let's start with those big names. How do you draft guys like Bueller and Kershaw and Paxton? Are you touching May? I for the most part, I would have to have a load of IL spots. I'm talking like five or more. Mm -hmm. Other than that, Ray, I'm not really interested in any of these guys. And it's it's just I don't want to play that game. And I don't want to guess. I don't want to be upset when Walker Bueller is still not pitching on May 1st and they're taking it slow or he comes back, he's throwing three innings or he's teaming up and they're kind of opening it. Him and Sheehan are combining for seven innings. I don't want to screw with that. I. It, a lot of these big name guys, Paxton Kershaw, I'm not even bothering with them, Ray. I, I don't really consider them part of my personal draft pool. Yeah, like I almost drafted Walker Bueller the other day in the Tout Wars draft, but it was the 15th round. And that I thought to myself, all right, I'll take the chance there. That's like when I started to consider him. And I think it's 14th round in the labor draft, somewhere right around that zone, which is actually passed as ADP. The, the, you know, the, the answer to your question, like you said, is you need to have aisle spots. If you don't have aisle spots, if you're playing the NFBC or in a home league that doesn't have aisle spots, like, no. Like James Paxton, no. The injured guys already, no. Like, maybe you take him in the reserve rounds if you want to play that game. But the problem then becomes April starts, games are being played, and you have other guys get hurt. And how many mm -hmm. guys are you going to take on your bench because they're just getting you zeros each day? So I agree with you. I think that. Uh, the prudent move with the Dodgers is to slow play them in fantasy. Even if they were all very successful when they pitch, I'm slow playing the entire group. We brought up Yamamoto earlier, talking about that debut yesterday. Uh, both you and I consider him on that bridge, that fence of SP1 to SP2. If there's a second guy on this pitching staff I want, right, it's probably Bobby Miller. Agreed. It's not Kershaw on these other guys. I, I like Yamamoto a lot. I think he'll be able to maybe get to 150. Does Bobby Miller get to 150. He was at 124, I think it was, last season. Um, and again, they ran into to more injuries than they expected, and they probably had to take more out of Miller than they would have guessed coming into the season. But, Ray, if he stays healthy, you think they'll turn him loose for 150? I think that's another guy who could maybe get there. He's the second best candidate to get to the 150 inning limit this year. Yeah, he threw about 140 if you add his minor league numbers in. So he was pretty close last year. Uh, I have him in a keeper league I'm in as the 28th rounder because that's where I drafted him last year. Love that. Um, I think that he can get to 150. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, when you start factoring in skills, when you start factoring in likely returns, when you start factoring in cost, you know, he becomes more attractive. Though his ADP is still in the 80s 
in the month of February. So people read, you know, he's you're not getting a discount yeah. with Bobby Miller, but no, I'm a big fan yeah. of the skill set. Yeah, not a discount at all. Um, let's go to the hitting side where, right, there's not much to talk about with Betts or Freeman or Otani, you know, even Will Smith, Max Muncie, you know, they aren't there. There are other things, though. In the outfield, I, I feel like of all the spending and all the moves the Dodgers made, and even within Major League Baseball, all the moves this offseason, the Teoscar Hernandez move might have gone a bit under the radar. Um, so, Ray, let, let's talk about that other big bat. Otani gets all the, the oxygen in the room, but Teoscar Hernandez – this is a fairly interesting landing spot for him. Uh, maybe there can be a whole lot more being surrounded by a whole, a whole lot more in this lineup. Yeah, there's an upcoming player profile on Teoscar uh -huh. Hernandez at FantasyGuru.com because I think you're right, Kyle. Uh, I think that in you know Hernandez is is a really interesting player because he's been very productive. Without he's had one like breakout season. Otherwise, he's been productive. Uh, the negative for Hernandez is that. Otani's in the DH spot, so you know there's not really rest days. He's going to have to be in the field, which he was last year. He played 160 games. Did T. Oscar? There is the fact that you know he's in a new environment with a lot of pressure, but I think it's a positive overall because he admitted he, you know, he's talked about it. He didn't pick the ball up in Seattle. He he didn't see the ball well at home, and his numbers at the at home were not good. So the move to Dodger Stadium, which is actually more offensive environment than people think it is, is is good for him there. I think the real key for him is twofold one where is the strikeout mark going to be because he's had times where his strikeout rate is horrid mm -hmm. and two is he hitting sixth or seventh you know so it's it's not a sexy spot so i think on whole you're probably looking at kind of a repeat of last year's levels of production but there are some pluses and some minuses when you're thinking about the oscar it, it would uh, you know for a team like this ray that's just great i mean they're expected to be great 105 wins whatever I, I could see him just being like legendary in this lineup, not to worry. Oh, he's better than Betts or Otani or Freeman, but like this fourth option that just has a massive year and, and hits 38 homers and drives in 110. He could be Marcelo Zuna. He could. Yeah. And, and I, you know, you act about the batting order, you know, guys like Muncie and certainly a catcher in Will Smith. That's when Muncie at his age and stuff, that's not a hill to really, worry about climbing I, I think Hernandez if he's hitting and if he's playing is hitting in the four hole or the five hole most of the season I think that's doable for him um, I think he can be really dangerous here and I think to an extent he's a bit of a bargain right now on draft day uh just just throwing him in a fun environment I think that's another thing this, this is a, when, when you're the Dodgers right now Ray you go into every game thinking we're Goliath man this is fun <laughs> We're, we're going to get up there. We got good pitching. We got a fun team. We got Otani, biggest name in baseball. I mean, we, we're we what the Yankees are supposed to be. We, we are the, the 27 Yanks. Yeah. I mean, that's an exciting thing to be a part of, I think, over the course of the year. So I can see a lot of these numbers being great, just kind of because it's going to be an easy work environment. Um, now, number four, you mentioned strikeouts with Hernandez. This next guy, a lot of strikeouts, James Altman. You know, in April of last year, Ray, he had a stunningly good April, and he was everybody's NL Rookie of the Year. Yep. I remember at that time, you and I doing shows, and it's like, well, this is good, great, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there's there's going to be a pullback here. It's going to be significant. He had a massive pullback in May, and June was a little rough. To his credit, his second half was solid, and when it's all said and done, Ray, almost 2020, and mm -hmm. somehow he hit almost 250 with 181 strikeouts in 151 games. What I'm getting at, Ray, is is there there are numbers here. There There is possibilities here with Outman. But the other thing to realize is he can go into significant slumps. And in, in games where he's over four with three riffs, and he can do that for a week long, this is a guy that you must be patient with and almost commit to for the long haul, or else you're going to miss those, those big outings or those sudden runs. And to me, that makes him a little bit of a difficult own. When you got a guy that you almost have to say, gosh, I don't care that he's hit 062 in the last two weeks. I got to keep him in my weekly lineup because this could be the week that James Outman has four home runs and four steals. So I like him, Ray, but I don't like the fact that I have to like suffer through the the, the dry spells with James Outman because they're still going to be there this year, I think. And there'll be a player profile on him at fantasyguru.com yeah. too. Because I Kyle's hitting it here. Previewing the whole month on today's show. You are. You're right. That's to come. I mean, we're not teasing it. It hasn't been written yet. Uh the the Outman one is interesting because Outman, I think, 
especially if you're right about Teoscar Hernandez. That means Outman's hitting in the bottom third of the order. Yeah. And again, the Braves, we saw Michael Harris was great at eight and nine. Okay. But it's not ideal. Um, I think, again, I, I said this previously. I'm going to reiterate this. Otani's the DH. There are no rest days for outfielders, right? You're in the lineup or you're out of the lineup. Well, he played right? 151 games last he did. year, too. But the way I look at this team is, you know, you want to get everyone involved. You want to keep everyone involved and all that kind of stuff. And, and you look at the line. I mean, look at this lineup. Betts is playing every day. Freeman, Smith, Muncie, like these uh, Charles Hernandez, like these guys are in the lineup every day. They play 150 games, not Will Smith, but he plays as many as any other catcher. So what do we do when we've got Chris Taylor? What do we do when we've got Kiki Hernandez? What do we do when we've got, you know, uh, Jason Hayward? Like they've got all these pieces and they've got lefty righty they can do mm-hmm. matchup. But, I wonder if Outman can play 150 games again. I don't know if he can. It might be 139. You know, he might lose a few games. Um, not that that would, would torpedo his value, but it hurts. Hitting down the seventh in the order hurts. You know, you mentioned the strikeouts. The batting average is volatile. So there can be periods of time, like you said, where he's hitting 226. Okay. So, you know, I'm not out on him. He's got Jack not... Peterson, doesn't he? I mean, right. from, from seven years ago with the Dodgers. With, with some speed, he's more athletic. But, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, because, again, the Dodgers, I mean, you look at this, their, their, their lineup, if you're looking at a projected starting lineup, they've got, what, one, two, three, four lefty, five lefties in the lineup, right, which is great. So they can really challenge. And then their bench is all righties. Mm-hmm. So it's the lefty righty lefty, you know, and they'll they're going to play the matchup game. They'll do the same thing with the hitters that they do with the pitching staff. Once you get beyond the bets and the Freeman guys that play every day, so I just again I wonder if if Outman, you know, I think Outman has to play every day to repeat what he did last season, and I'm I'm struggling to get completely there. Um, prospects, I got a lot of them. It's the Dodgers. I mentioned River Ryan. There's a couple of other guys. Um, I, I don't know if they have like a camp miss guy. Maybe their best prospects like 19 years old. He's some outfielder. I was, I was reading up on, but it's a Dodgers, right? I mean, we're we're gonna have probably five or six different moments this year where a guy gets called up by the Dodgers and people race after him. I bet. Well, I hope it's Diego Cartea, the catcher, because I kept him over Dylan Carlson, your Cardinal guy yeah, that we talked about. He was, he, I mean, with Will Smith, there. I know, so. I know, but he, I think he's probably their number one guy. He uh-huh. had a little bit of a down season last year, uh, but yeah, the Dodgers. Like you said, they 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 have a long history going back to the '80s where they were winning the the Rookie of the Year every year, late '70s, early '80s. Um, they they crank out prospects pretty darn well in this organization. I uh, spoiled my take a chance on and my pass on because I've kind of given you my stance on these guys. I'm passing on Glass now. I am too. <laughs> Taking a chance on T. Oscar. I mean, that's that's where I land with these guys. You, you got any different names on your list, Ray? Yeah, I'm going to take a chance on Max Muncie, and I don't think that. That's a news flash or anything like that. But even in the draft side, minutes like Muncie, you know, there's a lot of guys that produce a crappy batting average that people kind of overlook. And I feel like Muncie somehow gets a little overlooked. You know, in this lineup, I mean, even 30, 90, 90, like that's, and it happens every year. I'm mm-hmm. taking a chance on him. Okay. So don't forget, Mr. Max Muncie. That is a look at the LA Dodgers. Um, Tread lightly with that pitching staff. Go after the hitting, though. Uh, don't have a problem paying up for any of those guys. Top, bottom, wherever they're at. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Miami. We'll take a look at the Marlins coming up on Fantasy Sports today. Uh, Ray, let's continue with our outfield discussion. We've been uh, profiling that position throughout the week. Today, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, guys who, uh, for those in deeper leagues, you, you might want to know these names. Uh, specifically, to kind of make this simple, Say you're in a 12-team league that starts five outfielders, which uh, Ray and I both pontificate is the way to go. 12 teams, five outfielders. Obviously, if you're going to be 10 teams, maybe go uh, six outfielders. Sounds crazy, but maybe you should. If you're 15 teams, maybe you can get away with four. You know, those kind of things. So, But traditionally, Ray, we're talking 12 teams, fifth outfielders. So you're getting into the spot. It's relatively, I guess, rough estimate, outside the top 50. Right. amongst outfielders. But these are guys that in a typical fantasy lineup are starting every single day. So I know you sent me a list and people can see it there. Um, in the red, uh, let's see, we've got Young Hu Lee, uh, Sal Freelich, Alex Verdugo, who seems like he's on this list every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually mm-hmm. it's fine. I mean, it's, it's not like he's on this list and fails. He's usually fine. Um, a guy you spoke about yesterday, Nelson Velasquez of the Royals, Jared Kellenick who we've uh, spent a lot of oxygen on over the years, and then Will Benson. So 
Where do you start here? Ray? I, I guess Lee is kind of where I want to start, Ray, because mm-hmm. he's the total unknown here. Yeah, and there is a player profile at fantasyguru.com that is posted. So you can go read that right now. And he, he's a fascinating guy because the, the Giants, I mean, for those people that miss it, they paid him over $100 million. Like it was a significant contract. And the expectation since he was signed is fully and continues to be that he will bat leadoff. Uh, I think that the Giants hope that he's going to be a 280 kind of hitter with a 350 on base percentage. You know, he's not going to have much power, maybe 10 home runs, maybe still 10 bases. Like he's not a sexy, over the top player. Unless he somehow hits 325 this year, which I don't think is likely, he's one of these players that I think falls into the Alex Verdugo zone, right? It's like he's good, and you'll be fine drafting him, but it's hard to imagine him becoming an outfielder two or an outfielder three. I don't see a breakout coming this year, but I I do have a pretty good level of confidence in him given that we haven't seen him play in the big leagues yet. Verdugo, since you brought him up, right, seems to be one of these guys that I, I feel like baseball guys like more than fantasy guys like. I know they're both baseball guys, but like his his fantasy game, Ray, has always probably left a little to be desired. Mm-hmm. You've never had that moment. Heck, you were traded for Mookie Betts. You're supposed to be this and do that. He's just, in effect, a solid offensive and defensive player. People talk a lot, a ton, like, and, and, you know, no offense, Alex Verdugo, but he wouldn't be the first guy I think of when I say who has the best, like, baseball mind or baseball sense. People rave about Alex Verdugo as, like, the dude knows baseball and, and like, Future coaching material is what they say with Verdugo. He's now with the Yankees, right? He's bounced around a little. Mm-hmm. He's never really truly found a home. And here we go again. I feel like we're going through another cycle of expectations with Alex Verdugo. Yeah, look at that picture. A future coach that wears a five-pound necklace and has <laughs> 312 tattoos. It's wow. a new era, Ray. Come it on. Is. Got, it gotta is. get hip to, to guys like Verdugo. Gotta be able to write to the youngsters. Uh, and and yeah. the big chaw. Don't forget yeah, the that. Yeah, that too. Chaw. Don't forget that. <laughs> Uh, I think that, yeah, Verdugo, I mean, think about it. He's also, he's played for the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and now the Yankees. Like this dude, is, <laughs> he's handled pressure, right? Uh, I think if you look at the totality of his career to this point, he really profiles, and he's filled this role frequently as a number two hitter, right? He's he's 27 years old still. He's not old, uh, but he's not going to get a chance to hit two, right? They got Juan Soto, Aaron Judge. There is a chance, because I, I look at a projected lineup right now with DJ LeMahieu batting laid off. Like, no, like, no, yeah. there's a chance that Verdugo hits leadoff. There's a chance. I think it's soon, but there's because this, you know, this Yankee team, they can't put Volpe up there because his, his they may put judge back up there. <laughs> they, I mean, you know, but what I'm saying is there's a chance that yeah. Verdugo could hit leadoff. Yeah. And if that's in front of Soto and judge, holy cow, right? Like all of a sudden Verdugo, who's boring, goes from 76 runs to 104 runs, right? So that's something to keep in mind with him. His batting average was down last year, should inch back up this year with the move to Yankee Stadium. Solid. A lot of his upside is dependent upon whether he's hitting first or seventh in the batting order. I think yesterday we touched on Velasquez. People can hunt down the episode, kind of hear your thoughts as we did that Royals team preview. Ray is into Velasquez as a uh, – uh, Ray will not like this, but I'll say it's sleeper you know, kind of guy. Um, we talked a lot about Kellenic over the years. I think people know the situation. He's with the Braves now. Mm-hmm. Um, may appears to have a quote unquote everyday job. We'll see how that holds through the first Jared Kellenick slump, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's kind of my fear there, but still a talented and very young hitter. And then, Ray, we have these two guys, Will Benson and Sal Freelick. Little less known about them. Freelick, we've been hearing reports in spring, Ray, you're gonna bounce around the diamond, so maybe there's some extra value there for him. Maybe he turns into Luis Rangifo, and I, you know. It's, I don't, and you and I have talked about this a lot. I don't like the fact that, you know, you're, you've played 57 games in the big leagues. You're 23 years old. Go learn a new position you never played in your life. I don't like that. I just, I think let's let Sal Freelick become Sal Freelick and then do that. It's not the way teams handle it anymore. Uh, so they've talked about him and he's already started to do it in spring training, play the infield. Uh, who do you work with in the offseason? Damn it. I'm trying to. Trying to remember who it was. Maybe I'll think of it in a second. Like Maybe a, Robin Yount. <laughs> yeah, no, he worked. No, he worked with someone like an all. It was Dustin Pedroia, I think it was. Okay, it's like wow, he worked with Dustin Pedroia. Like he's serious about this. Uh, but Sal Felix is someone that was decent last year. I think he missed expectations a little bit. But again, you know, twenty-year-old rookie, twenty-four-year-old rookie, whatever. You know, three forty on base percentage. He's got a little bit of power. He's got a little bit of speed. I think he's got more speed than power. I think that ideally he develops into an Alex Verdugo type of hitter. That's stealing 25 bases, which is very attractive. 
we have the potential here of him opening things up, as we're noting, playing infield as well as the outfield, which not many guys are infield outfield, which is why a guy like Mookie Betts is so intriguing. So I think that Freelick is draftable based upon his offensive upside as an outfielder, and that little cherry on top of the defensive flexibility potentially is very intriguing. The uh, home run potential of this group, Ray, I think is Will Benson, isn't he? Like, I'd is, say is Velasquez still. You think Velasquez? Okay, over over Will. I mean, home run is in the best of this crew. You, you'd still oh, go Velasquez. I thought you meant just the home run total. No, no, just just like the home run potential of, wow, I swung and this one nailed. Benson, in last season, in under 300 at-bats, Ray, this stuff's crazy good. I mean, he had almost a 500 slug. He was 860 in OPS. His OPS plus was 130. That's a guy I love in drafts. Um, now you have to deal with strikeouts, but it's not in today's baseball. It's nothing brutal or something, but it is high. Uh, but Ray, the, that's a, that's an attractive dude. A guy who not only had 11 homers, but had eight triples in under 300 at-bats last season. Yeah, and he's also got a speed component. He sold 19 bases last year. Yeah. So this is, of all the guys on this list, he's the only one that legitimately is a 2020 threat, uh, which again, to your point, I think the problem for Benson is twofold. One, he pretty much hit like ass against left-handed pitching, right? He was just in a, completely ineffective against left-handed pitching. And secondly, it's the Reds who have 412 guys for the roster. Mm-hmm. So it's almost impossible to create a scenario where Benson's playing every day because they, they just have too many options, right? And it's easy to see him being sat against left-handed pitching. So he becomes Jock Peterson with speed. Now, Jock Peterson is a valuable guy who uses a fifth outfielder, to your point, for a long time, stealing four bases. If Benson's stealing 19 bases doing that, so yeah, I think yeah. that Benson is, he's tough to see breaking out going banana pants, but it just inches things up a little bit from last year. He goes 2020 and he's very usable in the fantasy space. That is a look at uh, a spotlight, if you will, on fifth outfielders for those who start five outfielders. Again, a uh, list of Ray's favorite names, Sal Freelick, Verdugo, Nelson Velasquez, Will Benson, Jared Kellenick, Young-Hoo Lee, all those guys uh, spotlighting. Uh, try to get one of them, at least, if uh, you're in one of those five outfielder leagues. Uh, got a few news and notes here. Unfortunately, injury news this is kind of the part of the show where we uh, get to hit you with that. Uh, let's see, Josh Lowe of the Rays is going to be shut down for the next six days with hip inflammation. Six days is kind of a weird number, but that's what we're hearing from the Rays. Uh, that is worth following. Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners uh, dealing with some hand inflammation, uh, yet to take any actual swings in game action uh, for spring training, but they are hoping this weekend he'll get out on the field. He's been doing stuff on the side and everything, so it's nothing severe, but maybe worth noting. Um, his teammate, Matt Brash, Ray, I... Have you seen the, the exact injury? I'm guessing it's something with the arm. I mean, th- this guy throws hard and crazy and all these pitches and mm-hmm. people love him. But we're hearing he's got a significant injury. So I guess we're just waiting to hear how bad the injury is for Matt Brash. I, I know it has to be significant because I submitted my dynasty keeper list uh, with my <laughs> 40 guys on it. And the next day, this news came out with Brash. So he's definitely going to be down for a long period of time. There you uh, go, Ray. <laughs> re- yeah, really depressing news because... You know, this is a guy that was a great target for fantasy space this year. And now it, there's legitimate concern and we're hearing potentially missing the season. I haven't seen a definitive anything, but I don't think a beat writer comes out and says he's going to potentially miss the season and he doesn't miss at least months. It's not like he's going to be back in April or anything. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, Matt McClain still yet to uh, take any swings. You have to do any hitting with that oblique that's been going about 10 days now. Uh, Gunnar Henderson also dealing with an oblique, hoping to take uh, or has started taking live BP, hoping to get on the field to play maybe in the next three or four days. That'd be nice to see. Should note the uh, O's have signed Colton Wong to a minor league deal. So gives him a bit of a veteran backup. Uh, let's see, Verlander. Ray, uh, the Astros admit that opening day is becoming more and more unlikely. Now, I, I will remember last year, Ray, in spring training, we had a similar thing with Verlander. Or remember he showed up or, you know, when the arm wasn't firing as well and he kind of talked and he seemed really let down. And I think I totally scratched him off my board just because he seemed defeated last year. Talk. Mm-hmm. We're not hearing that with this injury, but Ray, it's it's more of the same of a guy getting old and, and it's just kind of a little hard for him to get back to the feeling he's used to. And that's probably what we're really talking about here is he's used to feeling one way. And right now at the age of 41, whatever it is, he's just not able to feel that way. But that's a guy who I, I wouldn't put back to his usual 200 or even 190 going into this season. Yeah. 
the elbow is fixed. Shoulder is the shoulder. shoulder. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's been a really tough one. I, I've had periods of time where he's been up 10 spots from where he is right now, down five spots from where he is in the rankings. If any, like, I, I'm having a real hard time. I'm thinking that, you know, Justin Verlander should be your fourth pitcher, yeah. right? He should be in that zone, but it's, we, I don't know, because I, I'm like you. I wasn't expecting him to throw 190 innings anyway, you know, right? Yeah. But this, it's the shoulder and it's the start. So he's been a tough one to figure out. Uh, Walker Bueller throwing on the side for the first time. He was telling reporters he was hitting 94, 95. That's what he was saying. Nobody can really confirm that. Uh, speaking of velocity, Tarek Skubal. Uh, Ray, I think yesterday, 97 and a half was the average fastball, which is about two miles an hour faster than last season, mm-hmm. which would be a gigantic jump for a guy. Remember, he was hitting 100 in the early days of camp. So people love Velo. And I guess Tarek Skubal is signing up for that Velo school, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he, I think he hit 99.6 or something too. Like this is just, <laughs> yeah. And he's creeping up and I assume his March ADP will be higher than his February ADP. His February ADP at the NFBC is 54. So by the time it's all said and done, he's probably going to be right there next to Tyler Glasnow, Kyle. Yeah, I've been very hesitant to get behind Scooble, um on draft day, and this is becoming uh, it's becoming more and more evident that uh, I won't be getting him anywhere uh, just because there's multiple people in every draft room who are in on Scooble. I'm not one of them, so have to pass on that. Okay, that gets you up to date on the baseball. A uh, little bit of football to close things down. The uh, Super Bowl champion Chiefs have released Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's gone. Um, and they put the franchise tag on Legereus Sneed, who had one of these epic cornerback years. I mean, the thing with these epic cornerback years, Ray, is it takes one year for people to call you a shutdown guy and you're the greatest dude ever. And, you know, then you become, you know, Jalen Ramsey, who's who's good, but like not insanely awesome. Or, you know, guys like uh, Darrell Rivas, who was really good. But, you know, it, it, it fades quickly at cornerback. And honestly, franchising these guys is what you should do. And as soon as you see any slippage, Ray, you let them walk. And I bet that's what the Chiefs will do perfectly with Legereus Sneed. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those positions that we call a lot of guys shut down corners. But to your point, be that guy for five, six, seven years. It's, yeah. There's been a handful that's ever done it, right? It's not the, the, the name gets thrown out far too often because the guy has a strong season. It is a smart move from a team um, that – I think understands that they make some other questionable decisions. They seem to sign everyone that's been arrested, but they, uh, they got things worked out with Ladarius Sneed. Starting to look almost certain that picks one, two, and three in the upcoming NFL draft are going to be quarterbacks. I say almost certain because new England's at three. Um, and a lot of reporting, uh, indicating that they're kind of QB or bust and with where Chicago is and the, the continued rumors on Caleb Williams, Washington needs a QB. New England needs a QB. Happens every year, Ray. These QB desperate teams are at the top, and they have to take a shot on these guys. Um, even though the odds say two of the three guys are going to be bums, two of the three guys are not going to work out in the top three coming up uh, here in about six weeks or so. Yeah, and it's rough too because, like you said, you've said this many times. You draft a guy because you need that guy. You need a quarterback, but there might be better guys on the board. It's it's a tough spot to be in for an organization. The Patriots obviously need to figure out the quarterback spot. And uh, they may be forced to skip a better player because that's a definite need that that organization has. I say two of the three won't live up to their billing. One of the three might end up like Zach Wilson. Um, Zach Wilson has been allowed to seek a trade. The Jets say, go out and find yourself a trade. So, Ray, he's on the market if you want to take a shot. He probably only cost you a sixth or seventh round pick. When the owner comes out and says, we don't even have a backup quarterback. Was the owner, right, that said that? Or was the GM, whoever? GM, I think, yeah. Yeah, okay, the GM says that. Like, what's his trade value? You've told the world. <laughs> you have seven round, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you've told the whole world we don't give a shit if he's even on the team. Yeah. Like, so I, go get a trade, kid. Thanks. So I, they might end up just releasing him. Who knows? But yeah, that's, there's, he will find a job because he's got talent, right? What? What? You know, and, and I'm not a Zach Wilson proponent at all. Yeah. But Ray, I, maybe I just don't value the sixth round. Maybe I should have heard of a guy like Tom Brady or something, but I, I'd give up a six-round pick if I needed a backup QB and my my lead guy was old or if I don't get the QB I want in this upcoming draft. Right. You know, Jim Plunkett, I guess, is the guy you always point out, right, Ray? The guys that, that didn't make it work at one spot or Steve Young even, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't make it work at the first spot but became just fine at the second spot. Yeah, it's possible. It could, it could still happen. I think though, eh. yeah. but it's worth, taking a sh- it's worth taking a shot on. I mean, like you're saying, Aiden O'Connell can't do what Zach Wilson yeah. can do. 
Yeah. Now that doesn't mean Zach Wilson ever figured out, but we know what the, what the deal is. Yeah. Okay, that takes us to the end of the road on this Leap Day edition, February 29th, 2024, right here at Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, let's see, tomorrow we're back at you, 11 a.m. Eastern, more outfielders. We'll uh, check in on the Marlins. Uh, Ray will have more columns for us to go through. Uh, a lot of good stuff, and, and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get something exciting from that uh, Orioles-Pirates game coming up in about an hour. So something to watch. If you haven't watched any spring training, go watch that one for a couple of innings. Uh, Ray, have a great Thursday. Enjoy it. You and Justin on tonight at SiriusXM, correct? Correct. Yeah, 8 to 10, Monday through Thursday. Game time show is on. We follow all the live action, give you updates on that. We've got the Discord room up at the website now. So we're interacting with the you, all of you that are in the Discord room talking about the, the bets we're placing, sweating things out together, 8 to 10 Eastern on SiriusXM. Okay. Back tomorrow, Ray, Kyle, and hopefully you, right here at Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.